Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. All right. How are we doing this morning? Come on. So good to be here um, this morning. Thank you, Natalie, for the welcome. I just want to encourage you guys this morning, man. You guys worship like crazy, and it is such an honor um, to be in a family of people who are just going after Jesus, and I'm so thankful for your worship. Um, And when Natalie was up here sharing this morning, as you can see, we're going to talk about peace this morning. Um, the Lord was speaking to me as, as we were in that all hell King Jesus moment. And I just, I just sensed that God was breaking some stuff off of us this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about peace today. And uh, the Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. Shalom. Wow, you guys got it. And uh, one of the definitions for the word shalom literally means, I wrote it down, it means to destroy the authority that is attached to chaos. And I just sensed this morning that the Lord was destroying the authority that was attached to chaos in our lives. And I just want to start, before we jump into the word this morning, to just build your expectancy a little bit. What I sense in my heart this morning for us as a family is that God is going to drive out chaos from our lives. Is there anybody here that needs some peace this morning? Come on, let's be honest. It's the holiday season. Maybe you're stressed out, buying gifts, you know, those crazy in-laws for some of you. Um, it's a stressful season to be in, um, but I believe that the Lord has supernatural peace for us as a family this morning. Amen? So I'm just going to pray before we jump into the word this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for your peace. God, thank you that you are so near to us today. And Lord, we welcome the peace of God in this place that would drive out chaos. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are releasing the peace of Jesus in this house right now. Let's just take a second just to receive the peace of God this morning. Jesus, we acknowledge you today as the Prince of Peace. Lord, that there is no chaos within you and that you are perfect. And we welcome you here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture as we jump in. Philippians chapter 4, and then we're also going to turn over to Mark chapter 4. We are in our second week of Advent, um, and if you're anything like me, I grew up in a church where we didn't really celebrate Advent. We didn't talk about it a lot, so I didn't really have much of a context for it, Um, but I've come to love Advent. And the reason why is because Advent is simply um, the anticipation and the celebration of the coming of Jesus. And um, there's good news in the coming of Jesus. Amen. And uh, last week, Natalie taught on hope. How many of you guys were here for Natalie teaching on hope? Come on. Natalie crushed it. And uh, I told her this, you know, Natalie is a good friend of mine. And I said, look, I'm not surprised because Natalie's the bomb, if you know her. Um, But it it was powerful. Last week was powerful. So if you weren't here last week, please go check out the podcast. Listen to the message um, on hope. But we're going to talk about peace today. And I just wanted to share really quick um, why I love Advent. One of my favorite things about Advent um, is this idea of the incarnation of God. That God in all of his sovereignty and all of his power, um, he could have saved the world however he wanted to, but he chose to come and live among us. That there's such a humility to our God that he chose to take on flesh and bones and come and live in the midst of broken, wounded the world so that he could show us what the Father looks like. Jesus literally saves the world from the inside out. 
And I think it's beautiful because he could have saved us from way out there, but he chose to come and live among us. And I want to encourage us as a church this morning um, that the beauty of the incarnation is that not only did Jesus come to earth to save us from the inside out, but he actually calls us to be an incarnational people, meaning that we are not called to separate ourselves from brokenness but that we're actually called to step in the midst of brokenness ourselves, to step into situations and to love people where they are. And I just want to encourage you as a church this morning. I believe that Sozo Church does this so well, that we love people well. And I just want to encourage you in this Christmas season to not be scared to step into people's lives and to love them where they're at because it'll change their world. Amen. So Philippians chapter four, are you there? I think it's going to be on the screen. It says this. It says, do not be anxious about anything. That'll preach itself, yeah? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Look with me at Mark chapter 4. I want to read this story of Jesus. Starting in verse 35, it says this. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a Tempur-Pedic pillow. <laughs> the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown, a little dramatic, he got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, peace, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do, do you still have no faith? And they were terrified, and they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I love this story. Um, I think it's incredible that Jesus stands up in the midst of this like hurricane type storm and he rebukes the wind and the waves and the seas actually respond to the sound of his voice. Can you imagine just being in this boat with Jesus and the disciples? It doesn't say it's a little storm. It says that water is literally coming over the boat. It's a scary situation. Jesus steps up and then he rebukes the storm. Incredible, right? One thing that God was teaching me as I was reading this passage is, 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 is that right after Jesus rebukes the storm, he does something very interesting. He actually turns to his disciples and he starts to rebuke the disciples. I was like, what the heck, Jesus? You know, I would have been scared if we're in this crazy storm, but Jesus rebukes the seas and then he turns to the disciples and says, why are you freaking out? Like, don't you have any faith? I'm like, uh, you know, like we're about to sink, Jesus. But Jesus is constantly dealing with his disciples like this. There's another story as I was reading in the Gospels um, of Jesus, and it's with Jesus, Peter, uh, James, and John, and they go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. They have an encounter with heaven. Literally, Moses and Elijah come down and, uh, on the mountain. And it says, after this encounter, they walk down the mountain, and Jesus comes up to a little boy who is throwing himself into the fire and into the water. You guys ever heard of this story? He's tormented by a demon. And the, the father of this little boy comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, um, can you please help us? Your disciples have been trying to cast out this demon for a long time and nothing's happening. And uh, Jesus says, okay, I got this. And he goes and he delivers the little boy at once. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, why don't you have any faith? I'm like, geez, come on, Jesus. And as I was reading this, I feel like the Lord spoke to me and he said this. 
He says, you could see this as two different ways. One, you could see Jesus frustrated with his disciples for not being good enough, for not having what it takes. Or number two, you could see it as Jesus is actually trying to give his disciples an upgrade. He's actually trying to show them that there's a new way of living, that Jesus didn't just come to save us, but he actually came to teach us a new way of life. And I think in this moment, what he's saying to his disciples is, don't you realize that you could be asleep at the bottom of the boat too? Don't you know that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding that can allow you to take a nap in any situation? So Jesus is calling his disciples higher. And uh, what I love about this story is not simply that he gets up and he rebukes the winds and the waves, but it's this. It's that when he stands up and rebukes the storm, it's coming from a place that he was already sleeping within the storm. The most impressive thing to me about Jesus is that he's able to stay calm in the midst of the circumstance. That there was a peace on the inside of Jesus that was so strong that even the craziest storm could not wake him up. And I just believe this morning that the reason Jesus had the authority over the storm was because he was able to sleep within the storm. And as I was thinking about peace this week, the thing that kept coming to my mind is I think of peace most often as peace for me happens best when circumstances line up, right? Like you have a long day at work. It's been stressful. That nagging coworker is just getting after you. You get in your car and you're like, ah, peace, right? Like that's peace. It's like you have five kids. I don't know this from experience, uh, but you have five kids that are just going crazy all day long. At the end of the day, the kids go to sleep. Oh, peace and quiet, right? And that's, that's one of the most common ways that we identify with peace. Peace only when circumstances line up. But I believe that Jesus is calling us to be a people who can actually have peace even when the situation doesn't look right. Even in the midst of the storm, Jesus actually wants us to have peace. And I think what was happening with the disciples is this, that in the storm, they actually, because they had no peace in their hearts, they had allowed the chaos that was happening around them to take root within them. How often does this happen in our lives? That when you're going through something and you're void of peace in here, what's happening out there will take root within here. But I believe there's hope this morning. And the hope is this, is that we have the Prince of Peace living on the inside of us. And that our awareness of the presence of the Prince of Peace inside of us will allow us to go through any storm without being affected by it. Amen? You guys believe that this morning? Look with me at Isaiah chapter 9. We read it this morning. It says this. This is talking about Jesus. It says, for, us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then it says this. It says, of the increase of his government, or of the increase of his kingdom and peace, there will be no end. Isn't that crazy? He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. I want to ask us this morning, what does it look like for the increase of God's government and his peace to be forever? That's a bold statement that the big picture of this thing, this is, this is God's plan for humanity, that his kingdom would advance to the ends of the earth and that his peace would cover the earth. I believe that in my heart. I believe that the gospel of peace wants to go forth I believe that God has called us to be a people to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. But what I'm learning in this season of my life is that before it can happen out there, it has to happen in here. That before the government of God and the peace of God is actually going to advance in the earth, it first has to take root 
in our own hearts. It starts with you and me. And if we're honest this morning, I think uh, we, w- we would all say the same thing, that, that, that we've actually settled for a lower level of peace than what Jesus paid for. I know that's my personal story, is that I just get so busy going through life and doing different things that I have learned to walk the Christian walk without the peace of God. I've learned to do things for God, to strive and to go and go and go. And I find myself burning out. I find myself getting tired. And I just, I think God has more in store for us than that. I think God doesn't want us to live our lives looking for peace, but he wants to, us to live our lives from a place of peace. You guys want that this morning? So the rule of God, it actually starts within us and then it goes forth from there. And I, w- I want to make a bold statement this morning. Maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't. In this season of life, and I'm going to share a few stories here in just a second about the past two years of my life where God has been teaching me a lot about peace. Um, but one thing I've learned is this. There is nothing more valuable in the Christian walk than your peace. There is nothing that compares to the peace of God ruling and reigning in your hearts. We are to guard the peace of God in our hearts. Look again at Philippians chapter 4. It says this. In verse seven, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have you guys have heard of that that, uh, scripture in Proverbs where it says, guard your hearts for out of it flows all the issues of life? All the college ladies in the room, you know, we always use this like, guard my hearts, man. You know, like, don't, don't be doing like that, you know. Don't dress like that. Don't do me like that. Guard my hearts. Well, guarding our hearts is actually our own responsibility. God calls us to guard our hearts. And he says, from out of your heart flows everything. Everything we do in this life comes from the heart. And he says, guard your hearts, for out of it flows all the issues of life. And I begin to ask the question, how do we guard our hearts? How do we do this? Well, the scripture says in verse 7 that the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the way we guard our hearts is by guarding our peace. The way that we protect our hearts is that we don't let anything come in our lives that would rob our peace. And I believe this morning, church, that there is a war on our peace. The world is coming against your peace. He's throwing hurry your way. He wants you to live. The enemy wants you to live a chaotic life. The enemy wants you to go through the next 30 years of your life and look back and say, man, what happened? And I believe that God wants us to live every day in the peace of God, experiencing the life of God, not living from a place of chaos. So the way that we guard our hearts is we guard our peace. And I believe that when we guard our hearts, that everything that flows from this place, our hearts that are postured in peace are going to be full of life and order. But the opposite is also true that everything that flows from a heart that is not established in peace will be full of chaos and anxiety and worry and frustration. And I just believe that God wants to give us peace so that our lives flow with life. Amen? So I want to give us a key this morning because I I really do believe that peace is this important. Um, You know, the Romans says this. It says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of food or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that peace is actually one-third of the kingdom. So if you want to know if you're walking in the kingdom, I would ask you, are you walking in peace? I believe God wants us to walk in peace. And uh, as I was praying for this message, I sensed in my heart that there were people in the room who really needed peace today. That maybe you're going through things, or maybe you're just struggling, or maybe you're just like working yourself to the bone. And I just want you to know there's hope. 
there's hope for you, that the peace of God wants to come and make himself real to you, that the Prince of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, Jesus wants to manifest himself to you. So I want to give us a key this morning. I have one key. I have one point in my sermon this morning, um, and this is the key to peace. You guys need a key for peace this morning? I'm like willing to base my life on this key. I know um, that may be a bold statement, but this is the key to peace. I've learned in my life that this is the key to peace. The key to peace is a revelation of sonship. The only way that we will ever experience the peace of God is if we know who we are in Christ. It's the only way. And anything that would manifest itself as peace in our lives apart from knowing who we are in God is, is a substitute. It's not real peace. I believe that the only reason Jesus was actually able to sleep in the bottom of that boat is because he was so secure. He knew who he was. There's something about confidence of knowing who we are in God that allows us to step into life knowing that whatever's going on around there is not going to affect me because I know who I am in Jesus I think we look at stories like we just read earlier of Jesus, and, and we would blame his ability to, to sleep in the midst of the storm uh, simply on him being God. We're like, well, yeah, he's God, and he could do that. But I want, I, I want to encourage you this morning that not everything that Jesus does in the scriptures, he does as God, but he actually does as man in perfect relationship with God. Jesus didn't just come and do everything as God, but he actually, Philippians 2 says, he emptied himself of his divinity, and he actually counted it nothing to be equal with God, but he actually came and he showed us what it looked like for man to be fully empowered by the Spirit of God. John chapter 14, verse 12 says, these things that I do, you're going to do, and even greater things than these because I go to my Father and I send the Holy Spirit. So I believe that God wants us to live like Jesus, that we actually have the ability to live like Jesus, not just from imitating what he does, like Steve says, but actually emanating the life of Jesus from within. We can have the peace of Jesus, not just peace like Jesus, but the peace of Jesus ruling and reigning in our hearts. And so it comes, it comes from sonship. And um, I want to be honest with you guys a little bit this morning. Um, I, I love the message of sonship. This message has totally transformed my life, um, but it's just recently that I'm actually starting to get a hold of it at its fullest capacity. For years, I preached about sonship. I mean, you could ask the college students. It's like what I love to talk about. We're sons, we're sons, we're sons. And I think the reason I talked about it so much is it's because I, it's what I longed for the most, that I wanted to be a son. And I think in many ways, I was striving, trying to understand what it meant to be a son and trying to do things to earn the acceptance that God had already given me. And in many ways in our culture, I think this, this idea of being sons and daughters of God has become like a buzzword. It's the cool thing to say now. We sing it in all of our songs. But the Lord began to speak to me and he began to ask me things like, do you really believe that you're accepted? Do you believe that you are 100% forgiven? Do you believe that there is nothing in your life that I'm holding against you? And it, and it challenged me because I, I didn't believe that. I didn't believe that God wasn't holding things over my head. I, I say I believe that I was accepted, but I was actually living from a place of rejection. And so God began to work in my hearts, and he, he set me on path for this, this, what I've been calling the path of peace. And I believe that God wants us to walk in the path of peace. And so two years ago, God kind of began to do this work in me. Um, and there's a few things that God um, 
started to teach me, and I just want to share those things with you. I have three separate things that I want to share with you. And so if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to share that God began to speak to me um, on this journey is, number one, that peace dismantles performance. That the peace of God will dismantle performance. Sometimes, in order for us to experience the peace of God, God has to dismantle every little thing that we've built in our lives that are actually robbing us from our peace. For me, it looked like performance. For me, it looked like religion. And I, I hate religion. But I always say this, sucker, I mean, humans are suckers for religion. Like, it's so much easier, just give me a checklist and I'll do it, right? I, I want to do something to prove that I am who God says I am. But I want to encourage you this morning, there is nothing that you could ever do to prove who God says you are. So the peace of God dismantles our performance. And I believe that God, he cares way more about our peace than he does our performance. And I think in, in, until we get this idea of sonship, what will happen in our lives is that we'll find ourselves on these, like this hamster wheel of religion and trying to please God over and over and over, and it will rob us of our peace. But the peace of God will come and rescue you from performance. I want to share a story. I, uh, about a year and a half ago, most of you guys know this, I kind of entered into a season that was one of the greatest seasons of my life, one of the hardest seasons of my life. And um, I'm going to get emotional, sorry. Uh, but most of you guys know this, I was, I was here working at the church and was just going through a lot, was experiencing a lot in my own life and making decisions that weren't the best decisions and experiencing a lot on the inside. And I had a conversation with Joel um, about a year and a half ago, and he said, Dustin, I, I think it's best that you take a step back from, from ministry. We began to walk through these different things, and one of the things that God taught me at the beginning of this season is that ministry had become a crutch for me. It had become a mask. It had become something that I, I was able to hide behind. And many of us can relate to this in some form or fashion, that we like to craft masks, Right? Like we like to present ourselves in a way that we know are gonna help us to be accepted by people. And in many ways, ministry had become that for me. It had been something that had propped my life up. And Joel, he said, Dustin, in this season of life, I want you to experience sonship apart from ministry. I want you to know that God accepts you even if you do nothing for him. To be honest, it was so crippling because I didn't know who I was apart from the stage. I didn't know who I was apart from doing things for God. And so God in his mercy takes that away from me and leaves me exposed. And um, it was one of the most freeing things that have ever happened to me, um, but it was one of the hardest things that had happened to me too. And I wanna share a story of kind of how this all began for me or when it kind of kicked into gear. This is me being very real with you guys. Um, about a year, well, I guess a year and a half ago, during the summer, we were having a, a saturate night. And I was thinking about this story. It's kind of funny now. Um, at the time, it was not very funny to me, which is how most stories go. Um, but we're having a saturate night. We had a guest speaker that was coming and uh, I had just taken a step back and was not doing any ministry and was just experiencing healing and going to counseling. It was really, really good. I thought I was doing really good. And um, this week, this guest speaker came in and all through that week, we, the interns got to spend some time with him and it was awesome. Um, I wasn't able to be there because I had some other things that were going on, but they're all calling me like, yo, it was powerful and God moved. And I was like, ah. Oh. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys got to experience that. And uh, then at staff meeting, like he ministered and, and God moved and it was powerful. And I was hearing like, oh, it was so powerful. I was like, oh, all right, cool. That's awesome. And then everyone else was getting to spend time with this guy. 
And um, I just wasn't able to in this time. And I know that God was teaching me something because that Saturday night he was ministering at Saturate and I watched him as he was talking to everyone else that he had spent time with that week and they were getting to say hi and, and he was hugging them and I was just sitting in my seat and he didn't know me, like he hasn't met me. And I remember thinking like, man, I wish I could have just got around this guy so that he could see me too, so that he knew that I was gifted too, so that he knew I had it too. And I was sitting in my chair here during worship and worship is going on. And out of nowhere, I get this overwhelming desire rise up on the inside of me. And I was this close, I've told Joel this, I was this close to going and tapping Joel on the back and saying, hey, can I get the microphone and get up there and say something? Because I want this guy to see me. That was my motivation. I want this guy to know that I'm gifted too. And I remember in that moment, I, I sat down in my seat and I began to weep because I was disgusted with the religion that was on the inside of me. And I said, God, like, this is terrible. I, this, this is not me. And God revealed to me, he says, Dustin, I see you. Is that enough? Is it enough that I see you and that you don't have to be accepted by anyone else? And in that moment, God gave me permission to remove a mask. And I want to be honest with you. That was the greatest invitation I've ever received from God, was to say, you could take the mask off and you could be you. Now, so many of us in the room, maybe your story isn't as dramatic, or maybe you haven't experienced performance to that level of feeling like you need to prove yourself to people and to God. But I think in many ways, we do experience that, that we live our lives out of rejection to try to get acceptance from others. And I think the declaration over us this morning is that God sees you and that he knows you and that the peace that comes from being known by God and even if you're not known by anyone else, will surpass all understanding. But sometimes he has to dismantle the crutches that are in our lives. And like I said, my crutch in a lot of ways was ministry. And I had to choose to take off the mask and allow God to begin to minister to the real me. So I went through a season where I was doing no ministry. And it was painful because in many ways I felt useless, which was the best feeling to ever experience. <laughs> Because God doesn't care what we could do for him. He just wants us to experience the peace of being loved by him. So the peace of God will dismantle our performance if we let him. The second thing I want to share that God began to teach me is that peace produces integrity. The peace of God will produce integrity in your heart. The Lord began to speak to me in this journey as I was going through counseling. And he said, that's what I want to teach you about integrity. And I said, I know about integrity, God. Like, I know what integrity is. And uh, I thought in my, own, in my own heart that integrity meant to do the right thing, which I think is a good component of integrity. Uh, integrity means that you do the right thing and not the wrong thing. But what God began to show me is that integrity is far more than doing the right thing. Integrity is to be integrated. Integrity means to be one. Integrity means that you are completely whole that you're not divided, but that you're one. And the only way that you could do the right thing is if you're whole. And if you keep trying to do the right things, but you're hiding a brokenness that's going in on the inside of you, that you're never gonna continue to walk in that way. We have to experience wholeness. So God began to speak to me about integrity and that the only way that I was going to experience this integrity that he was teaching me about was if I allowed him and his peace to come and make me whole. So integrity means to be made whole. It means to be made one. It means integrated. And the opposite of integrity is, is division. It means to have a division in the soul. It means to be double-minded. God spoke this scripture to me in this season, James chapter one. 
It says this in verse six. It says, but he must ask in faith without doubting because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should expect to receive nothing from the Lord for he is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, oh God, is that me? What I realized about myself is that because I lacked peace, there was division on the inside. And I could present a version of myself to you that I wanted you to accept. I became a master at doing this. I think life teaches us to do this. The world disciples us to present yourself in a way in order to be accepted by people. So I knew how to act around you in order to get you to like me. And I knew how to act around you to get you to like me. And ultimately, over time, what happens is that you get so many, there's a thousand Dustins and I don't even know where the real Dustin is anymore. I think the enemy will come and he, he tries to get us to do this. But what God wants is that you are totally whole on the inside. That the peace of God has made you so whole that you're the same to everyone. You don't have to hide. You don't have to fear rejection, but that you could trust that you are so accepted by God that there is not a man on this earth that could reject you. Amen? So the peace of God will produce integrity in us. And, and, and this, is the, this is the hard part. Because what happens, and I want to camp here for a second, what happens when we don't experience integrity in our hearts is that we pretend. And I thought that because I could go through hard things and look unfazed, that I was experiencing the peace of God. What God began to teach me is that peace is not pretend. Peace is real. And that if you act like everything is okay out here, but on the inside you're experiencing turmoil, that you're not experiencing the peace of God. But that, that peace is not a surface level thing, but it wants to get to the root of your heart and make every part of us whole. God started speaking to me about the idea, and this is kind of funny, um, about the Pharisees. And I was looking at the, the lives of the Pharisees and reading how Jesus dealt with them. And I was so overwhelmed because I knew I loved God, but in many ways I felt like a Pharisee. Um, and, and the scripture that stuck out to me in Matthew chapter 23 is when Jesus says to the Pharisee, he says, woe to you hypocrites. And the word hypocrite in Greek means Hippocrates. It's, it's literally translated an actor, one who is a professional at exchanging mask. I was like, oh, geez, <laughs> that's me. That's, that's who I am. I have learned to hide behind the mask. And I would stand up and I would, I would preach and I would minister and I would go home and I would I would weep because I felt like I wasn't good enough. And I felt like everyone was accepting me, but I still didn't feel the acceptance in here. And so for me, what it looked like was God began to dismantle these things until it was just me, and he began to put the pieces back together. And I just want to encourage us this morning as a church family that God cares so much more about your peace than your performance. He cares so much more about your peace than how we look in front of people that he is so intimately concerned with how we're doing on the inside. And I think sometimes religion will cause us, I, I, I live from this, this mentality of, uh, that I have to die to myself, um, which is true, but it already happened at the cross, that we were crucified with Christ and now we live with Christ. And I had this mentality that I just had to reject my well-being in order to help other people. And I think many of us do this all the time. It's like, I don't matter, they matter. But all of us matter to God. And it's a broken framework for us to see us rejecting ourselves in order to help other people. What God actually wants to do is make us so whole that the overflow of our lives actually impacts people around us. 
Because we can't give what we don't have. We can't give to other people what we haven't experienced. So sometimes what it looks like is we actually have to slow down enough to allow God to tend to the gardens of our hearts. You see, God cares way more about your peace than he does your pace. He cares so much more about how you're doing on the inside than what you're doing for him. And I just want to encourage this church this morning to slow down a little bit and to allow God to begin to work his inner workings of peace on the inside. So I would go and I would preach and I would, you know, do these things and people would be like, great job, great job. And I would go home and I never felt like it was good enough. Does anyone ever struggle with that? Like you just feel like you're not good enough. I like what Kate, Joel shared it last week, but Kate got up and said, you know, what shame will do to us is it will cause you to think that there's something uniquely wrong with you. And God actually wants you to know that there's something uniquely right with you. There's nothing uniquely, like everyone goes through this stuff. So what God does in my story is he comes in and he begins to disassemble this pretender this, this person who pretends like he's doing okay, and he begins to get to the heart issues of what's really happening. So I go through counseling, and I'm, I'm learning um, in this season of what's going on. And, and for me, uh, many of you probably have experienced this, but for me, I, I began to find these roots that were in my heart. And one of the biggest things that I learned is that I lived from rejection my entire life. It's all I've ever known. Is that I lived from a place of rejection. For me, it came from like parental parental figures in my life. Like from a little boy, all I ever knew was having to work to get acceptance from people. And so as I grew up, even after Jesus, I still had this mentality that I have to do something in order to get you to accept me. And what happens is you begin to build that one layer at a time. And it's always, what can I do to make this person love me? How can I act to get this person to accept me? And it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds until that's all we know. And the Lord began to disassemble this thing. And honestly, like I said earlier, I was left so exposed and I was left so bare. And all I had was just me and God. And in that place, God started to put the pieces back together. And at night, I would go home and I would lay on my bed and I would weep again. But this time, knowing that I was experiencing the supernatural peace of God and I didn't do anything to get it. I think that sometimes what will transform us is when you begin to experience the supernatural peace of God apart from your performance. Sometimes we, 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 we replace peace with satisfaction. We think peace is, is like, you know, it's like when you do something and you, and you get gratifi gratification afterwards and you experience like that deep internal thing. Um, but what I learned is that peace actually comes when you don't do anything. It's just from knowing who you are in God. Amen. So the peace of God is real. And uh, I wrote this down. I, I think this, this idea of fake it till you make it um, is baloney. <laughs> and God's not asking us to fake it till we make it, but he's actually inviting us into real peace right now. Amen. The third point I want to make, and I'm going to close with this, is that the peace of God produces authority. Our authority comes from us experiencing the peace of God. The disciples, they didn't have the answer in the boat because they allowed the chaos to take root in their hearts. But Jesus actually had the answer because he had a revelation of who he was and it produced peace that could be released over the chaos. Jesus stands up and he rebukes the waves because he was able to sleep in the midst of the boat. 
And I think, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I don't think it's as important as the other things because peace or authority should actually just be a byproduct of us living at peace with God. We don't have to muster up authority. Authority isn't something that's earned from God. Authority comes when we're at peace with God. You will learn, and I have learned in my own life that I have begun to walk in more authority in my own personal life simply because I know that I don't have to do anything to get peace from God. Peace or authority with peace is as, as natural as heat is to the flame. That we don't try to produce heat from the flame. No, you just tend the fire. And that's what God has been teaching me, that it's more important that we tend what's on the inside than worrying about what's going on on the outside. I believe this morning that the world around you, what's going on in your world around you, uh, the world within you is actually the answer for what's going on out there. Amen. So let's stand this morning. I want to pray for us. I want to read this scripture to us in Colossians chapter three. Then we're going to close and pray this morning. It says this, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule, let the peace of God dominate in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. I want to encourage you this morning that peace is your calling, that you are called to peace. Before you were ever called to do anything for God, you were called to be at peace with God. And I want to ask a few honest questions to us this morning as a church, and we're going to pray for people up here in just a second. And, and what I believe this morning is that God just wants to release peace to you, that there is so much hope in the person of Jesus, that Jesus actually wants to come and restore our hearts to experience peace to the fullest. And these are the few questions I want to ask. Number one, I just want to ask you, are you at peace? Are you experiencing the peace of God in your hearts? Number two, are you experiencing the security of sonship? Do you believe that you are who God says you are? Are you free from the opinions of man? Or maybe you're wrestling with these thoughts like I was wrestling with, things like, am I good enough? Am I accepted? Are people going to leave me if I mess up? I think one of the greatest temptations in this life is that we believe the lie that in order to be accepted by people, we have to be perfect. Next step, in order to help people, we have to be perfect. So we put up these things that guard our hearts because we're scared that if people saw what was going on on the inside, that they would run away. But the reality is, is that God sees everything that's going on on the inside and he's drawing near this morning. That he is the solution. That he has peace available for us. So would you just close your eyes this morning? Jesus, I thank you that your peace is so real and that you're so good to us, God. And God, I just pray right now that you would speak to hearts today and you would let them know how much you care about how they're doing. And God, if there's people in this room who are not experiencing peace and who feel just overwhelmed with things that are going on in their lives, I just, I just pray this morning that you would show them how much you care. God, I pray for the revelation this morning to hit our hearts that you care so much about our peace and that you want us to be whole. And Jesus, I thank you that you came and you paid a price so that we could be made completely whole, God. Nothing broken, nothing missing.
God, I thank you for the process this morning of wholeness. And so, God, I just invite you to come to give us peace in this place. Thank you, Jesus, that you live inside of us. God, I pray for grace to be able to steward the peace of God in our hearts. In Jesus' name.